Hey, thanks everybody for listening to another week of the Live Life Aggressively podcast with Sincere Hogan, Mike Mahler on the line. And another one of our favorite type of shows to do is answering and giving feedback to our listeners out there. So it's another great Q&A call. We haven't had one in a while, man, because we've been having so many powerhouse guests this past month. And I think that it's time that we kind of step back in and share some of the things that, as far as our listeners reaching out to us, share some of our opinions and some of our expertise. So, yeah, this is a perfect time for that. What do you think? No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of like you make yourself too available with these Q&As, then people take it for granted. So we're playing a little psychology on you folks. We're (laughs) going to bombard you with guests to the point where you're going, man, I really miss those conversations between Mike and Sincere, and then, boom, give it to you, then disappear again. (laughs) Come on, it's all about the chase, man. It's all about the chase. We're, men especially, yeah, yeah. We, we love a good chase. So, no, yeah, you it's, never want to come off desperate. Exactly. Exactly. It's <laughs> something to be said about you know making yourself scarce every now and then. And that goes with even with your business. And right. we have people always asking us about how do we utilize social media uh, for our businesses and how to build our businesses. So there's something to be said when you kind of just take a break where you're not everywhere all the freaking time consistently. So every now and then you got you want to be missing. You know, sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. And there's some people just overdo it. It reminds me actually when I was working in the music industry, I can actually say that at one time, let's say in the nineties, there probably wasn't a song, especially a hip hop song, hell, even some crossover songs as well, where you did not have a guest appearance from Buster Rhymes or Missy Elliott. No matter what genre okay. of the music was, it could be rock, it could be country. I mean same thing with Nelly. I mean when it got to the point where Nelly's doing songs with Tim McGraw, that's when it was overkill, right there in the late 90s. He was everywhere all the time to the fact whereas now no one's asking, where's Buster Rhymes? Where's Nelly? Where's Missy Elliott? Yeah, right. Because they had a fill of them for a whole decade. So, this, like I said, there could be something, there's something to be said about making yourself scarce every now and then. And the thing is, if you have enough passive income going on in the background, then you don't necessarily have to constantly, constantly be in everyone's face. You've built that up. You've built that brand up. You've built that, that loyalty with your followers and tribe, and they're, they're purchasing things from you in the background. And, again, it's not to the point where they're sick of you. Like, oh, I go on Instagram. There he is posting every five minutes. There's one particular person that uh, I'm a fan of MMA-wise, but it's to the point now that person's kind of getting on my nerves because they pretty much hog my feed on Instagram with photos every few. I'm like, dude, when do you, when do you have time to fight? Because every time I look up, you're posting pictures, and it's like a gazillion pictures all at once, and it's like every hour. I'm like, how much space do you have on your phone to keep posting all these doggone pictures? And, dude, when do you get to fight again? So I'm to the point now where I had to unfollow them on Twitter. I had to unsubscribe from their fan page on um, Facebook. And I'm like, since you're going to take over Instagram, then okay, that's the only place I need to see you at this point. And it's to the point now where I'm about to unsubscribe from their Instagram account as well. I'm like, okay, I'm over right. you now. It's just too much. And yeah. I really, I'm a fan of this fighter, big time. But it's making me no longer be a fan of this fighter because I'm like, he's not fighting. He's too busy posting all the freaking time. So it drives me apeshit, man, when people right. do that. So Reminds me of email it. marketers where they email you every oh. day. And sometimes it's good information, but you just get tired of getting it. So it's this day-to-day email inundation. And I really feel with email marketing, once a week is plenty. Yeah, I think and so. That, and that's if you're giving good content. I don't mean once a week where you're saying, hey, go to my website and buy something. I mean once a week where you're saying new podcast episode, workout of the week, new article, new right. video clip, and then pitch whatever you want to pitch. But you've got to give both because otherwise 
that's how you get someone to unsubscribe fast, is that they just get tired of getting pitched all the time. But the daily ones, even if it's good info daily, it's too much to the point where no one values it anymore because it's coming in too often. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's something, okay, there's something to say about being consistent when you're doing something like email marketing. Sometimes, for some people, that's their strength. And they may not be that great at posting on social media. For me, I, my presence is very much more on social media than email. I'm one of those people that's like, I get sick of emails. I get so many. I've unsubscribed from so many people's emails, even like right. the good quality information. But especially when you are an entrepreneur and you're in a business where the people that you're subscribing to are also in that business, what ends up happening, you start getting all these emails from these folks, they start to cloud your judgment. You start soaking up what they're doing, and then next thing you know, your business slowly becoming their business. You're starting to say things that they say, and it's unconscious. So it's not like you're trying to necessarily copy them. It's just you've heard it from these people. And a lot of times they're taking it from someone else. So next thing you know, four or five of you are saying the exact same thing. Well, guess what? On the receiving end of that email of your email and theirs, so now there's six people somebody else is getting, and now you're saying the same crap as somebody else. Then right. guess what? Most likely they're probably going to unsubscribe from you. Because you're just starting out. These other people have been around for a minute. So it's kind of like, you know, last hired, first fired. That's pretty much how you're going to be viewed with someone is just subscribing to the same type of thing. So, again, it can really start cloud, clouding what your business model is really about and what your vision is about. And next thing you know, you're pretty much talking about something that does, it has nothing to do with your business, somebody else's business. So, again, a lot of things, just like uh, you and I talked about, we were talking about podcasts that we listened to just in private. We were talking about that, and you said pretty much after we started doing our podcast, there were a lot of podcasts you just stopped listening to, especially in our industry, which makes right. a lot of sense because I, I don't listen to any fitness podcast. And I know someone's – we've received emails before about what are our favorite podcasts out there, and, you know, we're going to bring that up in one of the Q&A shows. But I – when it comes to fitness podcasts, I don't really listen to any. I don't really listen to any because I don't want – and I'm not saying there, there aren't any good fitness-related podcasts out there. There are quite a few really, really good ones. But my thing is I don't want our show to become their show. I right, mean, I exactly. So as doing – that would be doing them a disservice and us a disservice at the same time. So we're, we want to both be unique, and so we don't want to blend in and sound and copycat each other because that's robbing you guys, the listeners, of a lot of great information and quality content when, I mean, it would suck. It's like, okay, I like Mike and Sincere, but they're saying the same thing that so-and-so was just talking about this week. He just talked about that yesterday. Obviously, right, or, or, or you're, you're having the same guests that someone else is having. Yeah, that's they another have a guest, problem. And then next week you have the same guest, and then, you know, because – Joe Rogan's show was one of the ones that really inspired me to want to start doing the podcast because I, I really like his show, and he has a lot of really interesting guests. And we've had a few of the guests that have been his, on his show on our show, such as Sam Sheridan. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to make a conscious point of not just writing down all of his interesting guests right. and hitting them up because I don't want this to be some kind of ripoff of his show. And we've definitely created our own show here where no one has been like, oh, yeah, it's just like Rogan's show. Because that's yeah. his show, and he's doing a great job at that, and I don't, wanna, I don't want people to think that we're just ripping off his material. So, it's at this, and so on one hand, it, it's, it's cool to listen to other people's podcasts and be inspired, see how they do stuff, see how the really heavy hitters are getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to have some guests from other people's shows. It's not like because someone's been on someone else's show, they can't be on yours, because chances are your audience is not even listening to that show. Yeah, but at the right. same time, you, and even if they are on your show, it's not going to be that you don't have to ask the same exact question. Well, I hope not. I hope so that you, you can bring a different perspective to that person. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's what we, we've done a good job of. It's like we've shown some things that are oh, like, well, I've listened to so-and-so before, and, we, and I've received 
email feedback and seeing posts with this. Like, I've listened to so-and-so on someone else's show, but he's never talked about that before. And, and that's the one thing, that's another reason why I really don't want to listen to other shows in our category when, let's just say, okay, now every now and then there are some guests on some shows. I'm like, oh, okay, he'll be a great guest on our show. And if, as soon as that hits me, I usually turn that show off. Because when right. I sit think, like, okay, they'll be a great guest on our show, I don't want to listen anymore. I don't want anything clouding my judgment or questions that go in my head from what I heard before. I don't want to talk about that. I want to just have a clean slate from there. And a lot of times there are some guests that, you know, I have on our wish list. I've heard them on shows that have nothing to do with fitness, but I think they bring something to the table, whether you're into fitness, nutrition, or you're building a business. I feel like they, they could bring something to the table just with their story that, that they were sharing. And then there are some things I probably did not hear that, was, that wasn't asked by the show host because, of course, everybody, everyone's style is different as far as what and how they run their podcast. So I always right. take that into account. So I'm like, man, why didn't you ask this? Okay, well, if we ever have this person on our show, I'm damn sure going to ask him that, and I'm going to tell Mike, and we're going to bring it out, and we're not going to play it safe, and we're not going to let them play it safe. We want, we want them to be real because that's what yeah, our audience I mean, we, have, we have a guest coming on next month, or actually in March, who's going to talk about how one of the leading fitness equipment people, companies out there, actually ripped off his idea. And this and one's going to be pretty, yeah, this is going to be quite the revelation for a lot of people because a lot of you folks probably use this piece of equipment. You probably just got off that same piece of equipment right <laughs> to the show, or you're on it right now while you're listening to the show, and now you're probably going to be thinking like, son of a bitch. <laughs> but again, now, you, now you're going to get a different perspective, and then you're going to have to decide whether you still want to support that company or not. So it's right. going to be going to be an interesting conundrum but i mean i think i think if we had it like well I, I had a guy interview me the other day from australia hayden who's, who's going to you're going to be on his show soon too and he talked uh, one of the things that he asked about our show what makes it unique and so forth and i said really we're we're focused on provoking thought you know not preaching to people so we're not getting guests on the show that we agree with 100 percent of the time and we're just sitting there going yeah wow oh you're so great and then we're not trying to shove down information down any of the guests, but what we are trying to do is provoke thought, which is why I always laugh when I see feedback from people saying, oh, I love your show. You know, I don't agree with everything you guys have to say. It's like, well, why would you? You know, I mean, we don't even agree with each other or ourselves. Half the time I'll listen to a show and I don't even agree with what I said, you know, several episodes ago, you know? So, yeah, you know, six so months why, later, why, I go back and listen. I'm like, a, yeah. yeah, exactly. Why would you be a listener who agrees with every single thing we say? That means, that means one of us is thinking and the other isn't. So, of course, we should be disagreeing with some stuff. And that's kind of the whole point is to go, that's, just give you some food for thought and give you something to think about, something to digest, different perspective. Yeah, and, and even going back to those shows, they kind of, they, they, I call them, they have the guest whores where they pretty much are in the same category and they're all friends with each other, these podcast hosts. And all they do is they, they, they pass the guest around like a joint. They just like, you know, puff, puff, pass. So it's like puff, puff, ask is what they're doing with their shows. And I'll sit there and I can go through like five or six of them. And then within a week or two, I hear this guest on all of these shows over and over and over. And I was like, geez, dude, do not, especially in a certain category. So let's just say someone's in a spiritual category. So I will necessarily just call out certain shows here. But they're in the spirituality category and they're just, they right. talk to this guru. But then... Two days later, he's on the next show that's in the top five on iTunes in spirituality. And then he's on the next one. And the next I'm like, and they're all asking the same damn question. I'm like, come on. I know you heard the other show. 
You can't tell me you didn't hear that show because you mentioned it on your show that you listened to that show, but you got this guest and you asked the same damn questions. So I've, <laughs> that's the one thing that I've learned from these other categories, what not to do, especially in our genre of where our podcast is. And I don't want us to end up like that. I don't want, this, I don't want to get the same freaking guest that you're going to hear on every fitness and nutrition show unless it's someone that really has something to bring to the table that fits our audience. And guess what? When you come on here, don't come here trying to play it safe. You know, you need to be you. Don't try to act like someone else. Don't sit there and spread lies and, and, and try to be someone that you're not online and think that you can come on our show and think you can get away with that because eventually you will be found out. <laughs> you know, and, that's, and I think that's how it should be with any business. And I always laugh when people do that in business. You know, they, they, they're online and they act like they're this, that, and the other, this type of guru and have this expertise, and they are the top of this and they've done this and have all these accolades. But then, you know, you dig a little bit, and you're like, wait a minute, man. Hell, all you got to do is go on that website and read. And you'll see things like, uh, I heard you talking on this show, or I saw you, or I saw your post, or I've seen, like, some of your ads on Facebook. But, dude, the thing is, this is the Internet age. First of all, there's no such thing as privacy. You can't hide on the Internet. People will find you. People will find things out. So you've got to be genuine when you're out there, right. people. So all you folks, you know, looking to have, you know, take your business online, Hell, even if you have it offline, people are going to go online with your business whether you like it or not. So if you have sucky customer service, they're going to make sure that the world knows that you suck at customer service, you know, whether you're online or not. So, and the thing is, you can't, you can't hide. Not with sites like Yelp, which I question most of the reviews anyway. But you have that. You've got Google reviews. Right. And one thing about it, if they're going on Google reviews, it's going to go up. It's going to go live, and it's not going to disappear. So in order to avoid all that, man, my thing is be who you are. Don't put something out there that you don't truly believe in. If you really believe in it, you'll never have to defend it, and you'll never have to get offended when someone talks about it because you know in your mind, like, hey, I know what this thing can do. I know what product X, Y, or Z can do, and you probably didn't even use it. You're just probably just some little keyboard bully just needing something to say and want some attention. You know, good for you, but I could care less. I have these customers. I have testimonies from real people who truly love this product, and they're raving about it, so forget you because you probably never had it in the first place. So our, our theme here is just be real, and that's what we want to bring to this show, and I think we've been doing a great job of that and we want to continue to be that way. So we want to bring real folks. So, yeah, man, yeah. and hit real topics. That's why we love these shows, the Q&A, because we just to go beyond our guests, I want to go with the real people, the listeners, because they're going to, they're going to share how they feel. So I, that's why I like shows like this. Yeah. So, I mean, on that note, we're going to jump into some questions here and just some things actually that I think are interesting that have come up in my research that I thought I would bring up. And one of the first topics is it was a Jeff Everson in Planet Muscle made a great point about how free testosterone levels are often lower in hard training athletes. So often when you look at blood work, the total testosterone is pretty good and sometimes the free level is low. Now, generally, the first thing we think about is, okay, maybe their, their levels of sex hormone binding globulin are high, so it's binding to testosterone, making it inactive. Sometimes that's the case. That's more likely in people that don't train really hard and have a more unhealthy lifestyle, though. What's right. happening with those of us who train really hard is that the androgen receptors in the muscle are picking up a lot of testosterone, so it's not floating around in your bloodstream. So just because you have a low free testosterone level doesn't necessarily mean that you have low levels. It means that you're actually using quite a bit of it, so it's not showing up on that test. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those interesting things to think of because sometimes I've had people who 
get blood work done and they're like, man, my total testosterone is 850. I'm feeling awesome. Workouts, I'm killing it. But I was really concerned that my free levels are really low. You know, what can I do to increase that? I was like, all right, let's focus on the first part of what you just said there. Total levels are really high. Your sex drive is high. You feel good. Your mood is killer. You're destroying it in the gym. And now you're worried, though, that somehow you're not in an optimal state because of <laughs> a lab printout. Right. And I think sometimes we give a little bit too much we give a little bit too much weight to some of these testing methods here, and we forget how we feel. Because I've seen people who are, you know, before they got the lab work done, they said they were feeling great. And let's just say, let's say theoretically they're telling the truth. They're not lying here. And then they look at some lab work going, and they're like, well, uh, uh, it looks like crap. And now they're in a bad mood when right. five minutes before they were feeling great. So a lot of times we have to use science, saliva testing, blood testing, 24-hour urine testing, whatever it is, but let's also look at other ways of analysis, analyzing stuff, such as your workout performance, your mood, your morning energy, your sex drive, things of that nature. But yeah. I thought that was a really interesting point by Jeff Epperson in the latest issue of Planet Muscle is that it's true. You know, the androgen receptors are going to take up a lot of the androgens, especially when you're working out really hard. So it may not show up in the blood test. And that's always been one of my reservations about blood testing in general is that it shows what's circulating in your bloodstream, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going anywhere useful. Right. So with the fact that sometimes if you have a high total and your free level is not that high, but you're someone who works out hard, that may actually be a good thing. It may mean that your androgen receptors are soaking up so much that it's actually going to useful measures, and that's why it's not showing up there. So it's just another one of those things to consider. Yeah, my thing is if you can budget it, if you have insurance and they'll take care of it, I always suggest, and, I, you know, I picked this up from Mike a few years ago, is do the 24-hour urine test over the blood test. And that one, tends to, it seems to me like it's a little bit more in-depth and can really explain just like what you just did right now because I had that happen to me in my first test. You know, it's all that. But, and also look at who you're going to. Look at the practitioner that you're speaking with at the time as well. And, you know, even my naturopath was like, he, he wasn't alarmed about that. He's like, okay, you know, <clears throat> testosterone's looking good. The only issues we have are just like um, some of the estrogen, um, just the estrogen being transmitted from one area to another. And yeah. some of those were being a little, they were an interrupted per se in certain um, areas and aspects. So we want to look at, look at that. But then, of course, we had to take a look at the DHEA levels, which, you know, we, need, we wanted to bring those up too. But testosterone-wise, the testosterone levels, I mean, total testosterone was great. It was, it was optimal. It wasn't too high. It wasn't too low. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's basically, the issues just with, like I said, the estrogen receptors and my DHEA, so we worked on that. So, right. again, if I just looked at that lab report by myself, and then, you know, you look at the little graph right there, what's optimal, what's not, and I would be like, oh, shit. Sure. You know, yeah. my, my, you know yeah. my total testosterone is good, but it's low. What? Right. <laughs> you know, because no, no, I, I don't know exactly. what I'm reading. So you got to make sure you go to an expert because, you know, a lot of times people, you know, they'll go to your website and they can see where they can get tests and they'll go and they'll do the test. They'll send off for the lab and get it back. But then they're trying to interpret what they're getting back. It's like, no, you need to seek a professional to help you out from that point. You know, great, you know, bravo for you for being proactive and, you know, start the conversation, get the thought provoked. And yeah, I need to go get tested. But at the end of the day, again, it goes back to you don't go to a mechanic to discuss heart surgery. So right now, you're playing the part of the mechanic. You're <laughs> trying to interpret some lab work about how, how your heart is functioning. So you don't want to do that. You want to get to, you know, get a professional, somebody that knows how to read those labs. So. Yeah, even myself, I'm very knowledgeable about this stuff, but I still like to bounce it around with other people, such as 
I still like to look at the information because, for example, just this little article by Jeff Everson gave me some food for thought. I mean, I've thought about that before, like the makers of a supplement called Quadricarn by Beverly International Supplements, mm-hmm. which is a good product. It's a bunch of different carnitine derivatives, and that was the premise of the product is that it increases androgen receptor uptake. And I remember asking them, like, go, oh, have you had anyone report after using this product for a while that their levels of androgen on a blood test show up lower? Because it would make sense that if it's, cre- if it's increasing androgen receptor uptake, mm-hmm. then you're going to have less on a test, right? Just like if someone has really good insulin sensitivity, they're only going to show a small level of insulin when they get their blood test done. Just right. like when some people are going, oh, my leptin levels are too low. Well, you don't <laughs> want your leptin levels to be too high. You want leptin sensitivity, which means that you're producing a small amount to get the job done. So when someone's looking at, oh, how do I increase my leptin levels? You're, you're looking at it the wrong way. It's right. about increasing sensitivity here. So it's like you, you, need, you need to understand the full context of these things before you draw conclusions. In fact, it's funny, just before we started recording, I got an email from one of my customers who's bought my testosterone booster a couple times. And he mm-hmm. said on the first eight-week cycle, you know, he felt killer. Like he really noticed a big difference. Then he goes on subsequent cycles. He, he didn't notice the kick as much. Well, you know, here's, here's the thing with that. You're gonna, it doesn't mean that benefits aren't still happening. It just means that you're, you're now sensitive. You're not as sensitive to it. So what I mean is if your testosterone is really low and you take something, whether it's HRT, my supplement, whatever it is, and let's say it goes from a total of, total of 400 to 800, right? So you double. Of course, you're going to feel a huge difference. But what happens is over time, as your number stays at 800, now you're going to adapt to that. So right. you're not going to feel that same kick because you're not having the same dramatic increase. But that doesn't mean that benefits still aren't occurring. So that, that brings me back to another point is sometimes people give a little bit too much focus to what they're feeling or not feeling. You know, the first time I took creatine monohydrate, it was like night and day, like right. workouts, every workout for like two months, I was getting stronger. And I still take creatine now. But guess what? I never feel that again. In other words, if I started taking creatine today, it's not, it's not as if the next three months worth of workouts are going to be like the first time I took it. Right. Is it still beneficial? Yeah, of course yeah. it's still beneficial. But it's, I've taken it before. So it's, it's, it's not that there's diminishing returns. It's just that you're not going to have the same kick every single time you do something. Right. The problem is, you know, some people listen to things that we talk about in the show, and then they just take it and run with it. But it's like, again, we always want you guys to do your homework. Do your homework. And just like Mike said earlier, don't believe everything we say. Question. Ask the right sources. You know, yeah, we're, we're doing our best to bring you great information here, but also go beyond the show. Go beyond this 60 minutes of us talking <laughs> and, and actually you know, start doing your homework. Again, we're trying to provoke some thought here. And when it comes to your health, we need you to think and not just assume. Again, because, again, so, many, so much of this stuff is so individualized. So it's not like it's a one-trick pony for everyone. Hell, we start talking about estrogen receptors and, you know, and, and, and adrenals and things like this. Again, what's working or not working for me may not be the same. Either we're using the same terminology in the same, almost same scenario, it's not going to be the same effect because it's two different people. So, again, seek a professional beyond us, okay, because we're not doctors, and neither do we play one on TV or the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) But you can pay us that now. If you want to just give us some some doctors, specialist money, we'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
All right, so here's what another question is, uh, talking about nitric oxide supplements, what do you recommend? Mm -hmm. I go, first of all, the nitric oxide category is kind of an interesting one because when it, when it first blew up several years ago, Literally. everyone was excited <laughs> about it. And no one's really excited about it anymore because nothing useful really came out of any of these products. So some of these pre-workout products, they, they didn't really give you any energy. Some people got a pump, some people didn't, but it didn't really add to any increase in strength or performance or anything like that. And the problem with a lot of the nitric oxide products is that they're, they're focused on arginine, and arginine theoretically has good benefits for increasing nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is important for those of you not aware because it's very important for your heart health, circulation in, in men, sex performance, erectile mm -hmm. performance, erection, et cetera, getting, getting, having good blood flow and so forth, erection performance. But arginine rare, very rarely converts into enough active nitric oxide that it's effective. It breaks down too much, especially in the gut. And then you have to take a, a high amount to get the effect, and that's going to cause some serious gut distress. So there's a other product called citrulline mallet, which converts or malatate, which are mal no, it's mallet, first one. <laughs> always overcorrecting on this pronunciation. I probably didn't even say that right. But anyway, <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. This actually converts to arginine better than taking actual arginine would, and then in turn increases nitric oxide. And that one's been pretty well documented to actually increase nitric oxide. So that, that if you're looking for a way to increase nitric oxide for the heart health benefits, for the sex performance benefits, that one's worth playing around with at about four grams per day. On days you work out, you can take four grams of the powder about an hour before you work out. For those of you that don't care to take supplements, you can take beets. You can juice beets, for example, or you can have watermelon or watermelon juice, fresh on both cases, not something that's coming out of a can or a jar or anything like that. Right. And both of those actually can increase nitrates, and the watermelon actually has the, the citrulline mallet in it. It's probably not going to be anywhere close to taking supplemental form. So, I mean, I don't know how much is in a watermelon, but that's something to consider there for those of you that prefer a more food-based approach. Yeah, it's okay. funny. I always have people talking about, um, you know, when they're talking about erectile dysfunction, something else we were talking about before the show started. And, of course, everybody wants the go-to is Viagra or Cialis or things like this. I'm like, okay, dude, obviously the blood's not getting to where it needs to go. You know, and you've had... For a while there, everyone was talking about arginine for that instead of taking Viagra and all that. What do you think about that, man? You know, besides also changing your diet, that's another thing they're not throwing in there when you start talking about giving people Viagra or something like, like, dude, what are you eating? Like, what's stopping the blood from flowing down there in the first place? What's blocking all that before you start trying yeah, to Yeah, I mean, if it's, if, it's a young, if it's a young guy, nine times out of ten, it's psychosomatic. You know, there's some mental stress that needs to be addressed. If it's an older guy, it can be that you know, the arteries are constricted and so forth. So, I mean, you, you want to look at what's going on in your lifestyle. You want to look at maybe you're training too hard. Maybe you're in an overtrained state. Because mm -hmm. if, I, if I'm in an overtrained state or under recovery, whatever you want to call it, the sex drive tends to drop off. And that, mm -hmm. that's, when, that's usually the first sign for me anyways. Everyone else is di everyone's different that I know that I'm in an overtrained state. And sometimes I, I hear, especially from women who really like to work out hard, They're like, oh, you know, I haven't had a sex drive in a long time, but, you know, I, I feel great and all that. And, so you're totally overtrained. You're totally burned right. out. And, and men, when your sex drive is, is non-existent, you're not going to feel great. So you, you can say whatever you want to say to yourself, like, oh, I still feel good anyway. No, you don't. No, you don't. Right? <laughs> just, 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 just admit it. All right? Just admit it. Take a week off from training. Get a good sports massage. Maybe you need to hit the spa. Maybe, maybe you need a vacation. 
Maybe you need to look at your adrenals, get some support, improve your sleep, improve your lifestyle. Don't stress out too much about it. Give yourself a break. And then chances you'll come right back around. You know, it's often like when we're for someone about me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> pun yeah, intended. Pun, in, pun intended. Ooh. That's the way we like to do it here. Clever. So clever we can't even stop. I'm just sitting there waiting for the pull trigger on it. Come on, Mike. Come on, give me something. Ooh. Give me something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, we you know, we were talking about just some of the, the myths that go along with erectile dysfunction and and again, like Mike was saying, you know, sometimes you need a vacation. I said, yeah, take a vacation in the Dominican Republic during Carnival. I'm thinking that will raise those levels right back to where they need to be. Because, again, sometimes, like I said, we, we train really, really hard, and that will really mess with us sexually. And we don't think that because we think if we're kicking ass in a workout, well, look at me. I'm a warrior. Check me out, man. You know, I'm going to just, just pillage whatever I got around me after that. But, no, it's like, dude, your body's like, okay, I'm tired. Sit down. <laughs> take a nap. But like, no, I'm going to break, break my wife off one. No, you're not. You're going to sleep. And then you think you can do it, and then you get back there, and then nothing happens. And then you're that guy with your face in your palms on that commercial. Yeah, like that, hey. that one commercial where there's like the blonde and this little nightie. She's on the edge of the bed. The guy sitting at the end of the bed, edge of the bed with both hands, his head in both hands. And she's like, it's okay. Yeah. It happens to everyone. <laughs> and the thing is, it, it shouldn't. I mean, again, we always talk about this. You – if you're not waking up with that Woody first thing in the morning, especially consistently, you've got to start looking at, okay, what's going on in my life as far as my – even with your training. Like my training way too hard. I mean, Mike and I, we were joking about this. Even if you have to do a little self-service and you still can't get yourself going, A, you either need to change the sources that you're looking at to, to take care of your own business, you know, I'm trying to be as PG this week as possible here. You know, yeah, so, if, you have, if, you have a, if you're by yourself, you have a performance anxiety, you're in a really seriously overtrained state, okay? <laughs> Come on now. Stop to take a month off from training. Forget exactly. about a week. Or you need to take a month off that website you're looking at. Obviously, you know, you're no longer into that, buddy. It's probably a little too much, okay? <laughs> Two girls, one cup. The thing forget about is that, you know, sex drive starts in the brain, right? It yes, it does. Optimal it's, dopamine. People always think testosterone. I think my testosterone is low, and that, that of course, can be a factor. Mm-hmm. But often it's also your do- if your dopamine is really deficient, and that's from poor diets, just too much stress, poor sleep, all of these factors help replenish your dopamine when you're getting optimal sleep, diet, supplementation when needed. That's where it all starts because if, you don't, if it doesn't start in your brain, then there's no reason for you know, anything else follow suit so that's another thing to keep to keep sometimes people overstate the importance of testosterone too much when it comes to sex drive and performance and it is important no doubt in those areas but it's it's one of many things it's not autopilot it's not just you know all of a sudden i got testosterone so it'll get up dude if you're if other things are going on in your head you know i got a lot of crap to do at work oh man i gotta pay these bills even if you try to for that 5 10 15 20 minutes you try to distract yourself even with a quickie it's probably not going to happen because it's going to, you're like, well, I'm sitting here trying to be intimate. I really need to be getting off my ass and I need to go pay this bill or I need to be doing this or I got to catch up on this assignment or I'm wondering if I'm making any money on my website right now or I'm getting any orders or you let your damn phone on and now you got alerts going off during the entire time. Every time you hear, it takes your mind off. Let's, let's be honest here. Sex, unlike a lot of things, it requires our full attention. You need to be into the moment. That's, that's what really helps you get turned on. If you're, Think about all kinds of other stuff, and then it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. And next thing you know, your homeboy is no longer helping you out. He's checking out. And then, hey, 
the woman can't read your mind. And, 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 and just, just to clarify, when, when Sincere says homeboy, he's not talking about his buddy in the room. You know? yeah, we're he's not, not talking yeah, about we're, a friend of his. Who's, I, you know? I'm talking about your little buddy downstairs and not the one that lives under you in apartment 2A. No, <laughs> we're talking about the one you came into this world with, okay? Well, you know, there's another play on words. No, I'm we're not just talking about that. one of our guests who's well known to have these Sporticus-themed type parties. And we're not going to say who that is. Believe that. You guys are going to have to go through all those guest dates now and try to figure out who it is. I guarantee you, you're not going to be able to figure it out. <laughs> all of a sudden, Ken's going to get all this anonymous email. Hey, Ken. <laughs> and by the way, just for the record, Ken is not the guest we're speaking yeah, of. Yeah, 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 but you know what? Just him. for the fun of it, send him an email anyway. Like, hey, Ken, what's up with those <laughs> parties, man? <laughs> He's like, what? Huh? Gotcha. <laughs> So, yeah, man. So, again, you, you got to make sure that you're, you're into it mentally as well because, like Mike said, it starts in the brain. And so thing is, and especially if you're banging somebody that you're not into, that's not going to help you stay up either. So guess what? I don't care how viral you yeah, maybe no, maybe you've worn, you've worn that sex you've worn that sex doll out. You yeah. know that that flashlight has been has been used way too often. No, it's not even a flashlight anymore. It's flesh heavy at that time. <laughs> oh man! All right, I think we, let's let's move on from. So we just have to do a show just on erectile dysfunction one day, just a full show. Yeah, we'll, we'll get an expert on. It would be interesting to have an expert who's really well versed in this, not just the medical side of stuff. Because, but like I said, generally the simple on that is when it's when it's a young guy, it's often someone with some psychosomatic issues. You know, maybe there's something unresolved, or there's a lot of mental stress going on. Whatever the reason is, when when it's an older guy, it can be more complex. It could be hormonal, it could be arterial, it could be also the mental stress. So it's it's one of those things that you shouldn't feel really embarrassed about or ashamed about or just be in denial about either because that's not going to solve any of it. And there's, there's always things you can do. So, you know, talk to an expert, talk to your doctor, get some lab work done, start, start taking charge of the problem the way you would anything, whether it's a financial problem, a training problem, et cetera. Yeah, and just one quick, quick note on that. We talked about that before the show started too. And, it's, and quit paying attention to the media and television and commercials and all that. And again, there's it's a different type of shaming going on. They're trying to make you feel as if, hey, you can't get it up. You're not being a man. No, dude, <laughs> so there's some issues that just need to be taken care of. It has nothing to do with whether you're a man or not. You just happen to be a man with some issues that need to be addressed. So no one ever makes a big deal on late-night television to women constantly about having vaginal dryness. Okay, you know they they just they make it seem like okay it happens it happens and it's okay and you know here's how now they, introducing my new supplement <laughs> yeah yeah nobody's sitting there trying to push some type of you know, pill for that or whatever it's just like okay you, are you experiencing dryness well here take care of it with this and they make it seem more of yeah, like they, they show uh, or, or hydrate hydrate at the edge of the bed and some guys consoling her and all yeah that. yeah some guys oh, and they're like it's okay shit. honey. To my, to my, it happens to the best of the women out there. No, no, they never show a commercial <laughs> like that. So it kind of sucks because a lot of times we see the media always trying to make women feel crappy by putting a certain body type in all the magazines and every commercial, every TV show to make a woman feel ashamed of her body. Well, and a lot of times they feel like, okay, it's the media versus women. No, it's the, me- it's the media versus you and your pocketbook because they're going to find a way to play. It's all about emotions. And the thing is, all these so-called marketing experts always say, you know, you need to play to their emotions, and then you, that's how you sell them. Well, guess what? That's what they do. You know, most men, we've been taught to think, like, that's where our manhood is. Where the only way you're going to be a man is about what you got going on in your pants. So they play on those different things. So, fellas, look, dude, don't, don't fall for it. It's like, okay, well, address it's the stuff in your head taking advantage of whatever insecurities you may have at the exactly. moment. 
But those, those Cialis commercials are, are, are hilarious. Meet Bob. The, well, I mean, they'll, they'll show this couple, and they're both in separate bathtubs. It's like, well, no doubt you're having a hard time getting around. <laughs> well, you're not even in the same bathtub. Well, I, then, I, I always love the one where like, the, guys <laughs> in the, garden, the guys in the garden, and be ready for when the moment strikes, and his wife mm-hmm. walks by, a little smile. It's like, all right, man, let's get out of this garden. And so, uh, Bill Meyer had a funny joke about you know, all that different boner pills out there. He goes, he goes, Cialis works up to 72 hours, so in case you're ready. So it's like, yeah, so a man doesn't have enough to worry about. <laughs> now he's got to be ready, you know, for whatever his wife's ready to go down. He's got to make sure he took the right boner pill so he's ready <laughs> this weekend, you know. It's like, man, I only, I only took Viagra. That's going to wear off in four hours. I should have taken Cialis. <laughs> I need to get there this weekend. You so know? That, that window of opportunity is starting to close right now. Or let's say it's working very well. When, dude, you have a life. You're sitting on the elevator, you know, it's at the preschool. Okay, R. Kelly, you're looking really, really safe right now with that tent blowing <laughs> out of your pants. <laughs> okay. So at what price do you have to pay in order to take care of these things? <laughs> oh, man. And now oh. switching to a totally different gear, training question. <laughs> so this one's about alternatives to the barbell squat, and that's a good question. There's, there's quite a few alternatives. One trap bar deadlift. I know Sincere is a big fan of that. And another one is actually a deficit deadlift, and this is where you could stand on 245-pound plates. You could stand on a little board. A friend of mine, Jack Reap, who's an awesome powerlifter, powerlifting coach as well, he, he's recommended this to me in the past. And actually, I, I was just thinking about putting it in my regimen in the next week or two because I've been doing some rack deadlifts where it's a couple inches off the floor to work right. a certain sticking point, which I've blasted through now. So now I'm thinking about taking that out of my program and trying the deficit deadlift for a while. You'll get more loading up the legs, less on the back, et cetera. And one thing you can also do to make, let's say you don't have an apparatus to do a deficit deadlift, if you go to a gym, you can use 35-pound plates instead of 45-pound plates. They're smaller and just load up more plates, and now you're going to be much lower to the ground when you start. Just make sure that if you've never done a deficit deadlift before, start much lighter than you're used to because it's going to take a little while to get the right groove to set up properly and so forth. So don't try to go old guns blazing the first time you try it. Take a few sessions to work up to the heavier weights. And then you could do an experiment also where you do a deficit deadlift for a while. Not too long because if you do it for three months and you don't do a, a traditional deadlift, you're going to feel totally out of sync. But let's say a couple of weeks and then go back to your standard deadlift and see what happens. Me, personally, I prefer to keep the standard deadlift in once a week, do a deficit deadlift or a partial deadlift the other day because I get more practice with the setup. And that's what I've been doing recently where I've noticed my deadlift technique has gotten a lot, lot better by doing it twice a week, but I'm doing variations. So I'm doing the traditional deadlift one day, such as Monday, the partial deadlift on Thursday, so it's different enough that I'm not burning out, but it's similar enough that it's helping me with proper loading up. Because in right. the past, I've tended to use the back too much, and now I'm loading up my legs a lot more, and I'm getting very comfortable with that. So I'm really excited about that because I see some PRs being blasted very soon. Yeah, I, I, like, I like that idea, um, especially with using the shorter plates because, again, this comes down to almost going back to our ED discussion here. It all comes down to a matter of inches. <laughs> It's all about, it's a game of inches here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that, that makes sense. Now, honestly, you may look like 
a clown by putting just stacking a bunch of 25s on there. I'm like, come on, dude, stop <laughs> it. You know, there's always someone that's going to take it to the extreme. So, okay. And I saw this video clip of some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> you got like 30, you got like all these 10 pound plates oh, taking okay, off. Now, these- if Mike says 35s are good, what about 25s? So don't, don't be that guy, man. So it, it just look funny also. So you don't want to be that guy. So, but yeah, I like the idea that in, especially for someone with different anatomy, it's kind of like ours where you have longer arms that could really be beneficial to you as well by doing this. One thing about deadlifts, just like everything else, there is no one true way of doing a deadlift. You really need to take into account your anatomy. We've talked about this before. And, of course, someone will look at Mike do a deadlift. He'll, they'll look at me and they're like, oh, look at your arm. Look where you're pulling it from. You're going to jack your back up. No, dude, I got a 76-inch reach and I'm 5'8". No, this works for me. Okay? It's always some little short, stubby dude who doesn't have that far to go to stand up. And he's trying to give advice for someone that's super-duper long. So, again, people, we always want to look at your anatomy. And that's, this is one of those things that could really help when a so-called traditional way of doing a deadlift may not seem like it's working for you. You're not getting those gains you thought you would be getting from that. This is a good way to kind of test that out and use different lifting techniques with that by stacking them up on the plates like this or getting shorter plates. So definitely a good one right there. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, the different. that's why it's good to get – a good powerlifting coach or a good deadlifting coach or a good strength coach who understands the deadlift extremely well because they can take a look at your body type and help you with the right setup. So if it's an exercise you really want to get the most bang for your buck out of, that'll help. Like me working with Mark Philippi was very useful to me because I was tending to do deadlifts more as a Romanian off the ground. Where yeah, I'm, just okay. loading, I'm just like a slight knee bend and I'm loading up the back quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And he, he would basically say, look, position the barbell so it's halfway in your feet so like it's like it's trying to break your feet in half and then that way you can really squat down into it pull the bar into your shins and then pull the bar into you as you stand up with it and that'll help you transfer from your legs to your back without overloading your back as much so you get more leg drive as you slam right into it as you get that hip drive going and i've been working on that a lot quite recently and getting really comfortable with it so i think the deadlifts are on a nice roll right now where I'm just getting better and better each week and about to get into some PR territory pretty soon. So it's a fun exercise. I think the key that is to be patient with a lot of stuff. People tend to to want those heavy moves, but they want to get into the heavy weights a little bit too soon, whether it's kettlebells or barbell work or whatever right. it is. You know, they just started doing body weight training and they were going, when are we going to start doing freestanding handstand push-ups? <laughs> and like, let's focus on those perfect push-ups first. Let's, let's get some progression before we get up there. And then sometimes people will use really sloppy form and say, I did it. Like, no, you didn't do it. That was a crappy, that was crappy technique. I mean, if you're bench pressing and your butt's four inches off the bench to get the bar back to lock out, it's, it's not gonna, it doesn't count. You, you just turned it into a decline bench. You know? <laughs> like you're a contortionist, like a, a car could drive under you. While exactly. you're I always laugh when I see that. It's, people bounce the bar off their chest, and they, they do like a hip drive, like their butt four inches off the bench to get it. And I was like, that's a ballistic motion now. You know? <laughs> oh, rainbow bench pressing. I love it. All right. That, that's quite a bit right than lowering the bar under control, pausing, <laughs> and then blasting it with your upper body, not using a hip drive to get it back to the top. <laughs> and, I get, and this is why so many people are going – Oh, you know, well, when I reach a certain when I when I turned forty, I couldn't bench press anymore. It's like, yeah, probably because your form sucked the whole time you did it, you know, not because you were using perfect technique from day one. 
It's about you 20 are, years of suck you got going on yeah. there, buddy. So, exactly. And that's exactly. another thing when you're saying about, you know, getting a good powerlifting coach, a little bit coach, getting a good coach in there. This is why you cannot depend on a two-day weekend eight Olympic lifting certification or something like that to help you with things like this, or a two-day weekend power lifting certification. Like, come on, people. Let's, let's really think about this. These are very technical movements. How in the blue hell are you going to get this down in a matter of 48 hours? Exactly, exactly. The best thing a course can do is give you a lot of information that you can work with now. So, for example, you go to a, a good kettlebell certification. It doesn't mean that you're ready to go out there and start teaching courses and workshops yourself, but what's happened is you've gone through the crucible, you've gone through the grinder, and you have a lot of stuff to work with now to improve. Right. So you may want to take several months after attending a course to really get things dialed in before you start implementing it into your regimen where you're actually teaching it to other people, your offerings rather. And I think that's the mistake a lot of trainers make too is they take a course and then they're like, great, I'm going to start making money off of this now. <laughs> and, right. And chance, unless you're someone who's actually done a lot of preparation before, let's say you're someone who, let's say someone's going to go to an IKFF cert and they seek you out sincere. So they're, they're working under your tutelage for six months and then they go to the course, they pass, they do great. You know, that's a lot different than someone who's never picked up a kettlebell before and then they're going to the course. Right. So the, that person A, for example, yeah, they're probably ready to go. They're probably ready to go before they took the course, but they're definitely ready to go now. But person B who's never picked up a kettlebell before, you're not going to be competent in two days where it's even ethical for you to start going out there and saying, all right, folks, I'm taking <laughs> on private lessons now. I'm going to start teaching classes. I'm going to start making videos. I'm going to start doing this. Get some experience first. Get, get, right. get things tuned in a little bit, dialed in before you start going out there trying to monetize everything. Exactly. And the, in other words, slow your roll. <laughs> slow your roll and stay in your lane, okay? <laughs> Speaking of slowing your roll, that brings us to the next topic, which is actually morning rituals. Actually, before, you know, before the morning rituals, I just wanted to make sure we cover this one because a few people have asked us about this. After we talked about how a lot of coffee is not high quality in the marketplace, People wanted, them, wanted us to make some recommendations. I'm not really a coffee drinker, so I don't have much to say on the topic, but I know you are. So I was curious yeah. to see if, what recommendations you have for folks who want to get higher quality coffee out there. Yeah, even like I mentioned in that show, you know, get to, low, excuse me, get to know your local roaster. And I usually get mine locally and not just commercially or some way you can find like in a convenient or conventional grocery store or something like that. Um, one of the roasters that I really like, one of the companies I really like is based out of Austin. Actually, it's two of them. Um, there's Kuvet. Yes, um, let me spell it for you. It's C. Let me actually give you the website. That will actually help you guys out. You can go check them out. And you can actually order their coffee online. It's actually coming from, you know, them. But um, it's um, Kuvet is C-U-V-E-E coffee.com. They're based out of Austin. And... One of the things I I recommend, even if you're just going to go with a local <clears throat> roaster where you are, always look at, first of all, look at seasonal coffee as well. So it's just like when you get your food. If you're getting your food from the, from the farm or at the farmer's market, you want to get seasonal food. You don't want to get stuff that's like out of season. So I, I like to go with, you know, 
A, like I mentioned last time, a lot of coffee, especially when you're trying to make sure they're not as you know, full of toxins and mold and things like that. You, you want to go with coffees that come from higher elevations, especially like in Central America. And so that's, and I also want to look at like what's seasonal at that time. And you'll ask them, you know, these different things like, hey, you guys, you know, what's your seasonal coffee that you have in here? And again, like I told you guys, try to stay away from blends and things like that. But go with the seasonal coffee. I like Cuvée's coffee. Definitely can taste the quality. It's, it's, the quality is excellent. Um, so, like I said, that's coming out of Austin. That's CuvéeCoffee.com. And also another um, roaster that is out of Chicago that I really, really like is uh, Intelligentsia. They, and they're really popular. A lot of people love their beans and use their beans. A lot of coffee shops use their stuff. And they actually have a coffee subscription program as well. And if you go to their website, it's um, intelligentsiacoffee.com, um, and that's um, I-N-T-E-L-L-I-G-E-N-T-S-I-A-coffee.com. Don't worry about these links. I mean, I'm going to have them in the notes as well. But and they're also big on having some in-season direct trade coffee. So that's the thing. We have direct trade is coming right from that farmer. You know, there's no middleman and things like that. So, yeah, so um, those those are my two recommendations. Otherwise, you know, really go in, find your local roaster, talk to them, get to know them, ask them, you know, is it, you know, how, you know, what's the process of these coffee beans and how, how they were roasted. I mean, were they, you know, the wet, wet process, were they dried out in the sun? They're dried out in the sun. They're going to be moldy. So run from those, okay? So, yeah, it's, it's like I said, just getting down to that. Try to get to that single origin coffee, you know, with the beans. And like I said, it's really about getting to know your roaster. But those are two that come, come to mind as far as online sources available to everyone. Otherwise, find that local roaster, and you're probably going to just probably find like two or three uh, I believe there's another one in Austin that's really, really good. Is um, Oh, man. I'm trying to remember the top of my head. Uh, yeah, Third Roast. Yeah, Third Roast Coffee is really, really good as well. And, I think, and they roast their own beans as well. So they're out of Austin. Just Google them. And I don't know if they have it where you can purchase them online. But those are like the top sources I can think of as far as going beyond me just walking into a shop for everyone else out there. Good deal. All right, another question would be on growth hormone increasing supplements. Are there any that are useful? What do you recommend? Well, here's the thing about the whole growth hormone category. When, when growth hormone injections started becoming really popular a while back, a lot of supplement companies tried to ride on that. So they started making these supplements where it would be this liquid that comes in these little caps, or not caps, but these little bottles, and they would, they would sell these packages of 20, 30 bottles for several hundred dollars because they're trying to make it look like a growth hormone injection. Now, you wouldn't inject this stuff. You would just drink it. But just the fact that they're trying to make it look that way, you know, that says a lot about the ethics involved. Sure enough, all those products went down the drain. You know, they never made it. Now, there's most, most growth hormone increasing supplements have been disappointing. None of them have really stood the test of time. They just they come in the favor. Someone says they have something, bam, it goes down. The one that seems to have pretty good research, I, I haven't used this much. I, I think I used it a while back, and it was one of those things where once it ran out, I didn't bother buying it again. So it wasn't, it wasn't obvious that I was getting any benefits out of it. But it's arginine and lysine combined. It's a, it's a certain kind of arginine, arginine pyroglutamate, combined with lysine at... 1,250 milligrams each. Now, there's a company called NutraBio.com, which sells all kinds of amino acids inexpensively. So you can get this in powder 
fairly cheap. I mean, you can get a month supply for, I think, $20 or less. And it, it, basically, you would just take one teaspoon right before you go to sleep on an empty stomach, and then allegedly that will jack up your GH. Now, the thing about these products that I've seen is that even the ones that have some analysis of, hey, look at, here's the growth hormone increase that went up here, there's nothing, what, what actually came out of that? Did people lose more body fat? Did they have better recovery? Did they get stronger? That's never really discussed. It's more just saying, here's what the lab showed, that it increased GH by this much. But it doesn't mean that anything useful actually came out of that. So I'm still skeptical of that category quite a bit. You know, Macuna in my testosterone booster has some studies that show that it supports growth hormone production, and, and that's through the increase in dopamine because dopamine is a secretagogue for growth hormone. So some people have noticed a nice boost there. It's not going to be anything dramatic. It's not going to, there isn't anything that's close to being comparable to actual growth hormone injections. That's straight off is, is the first thing you want to know. Mm -hmm. So I would look more at optimizing your lifestyle, finding strategies to improve sleep quality. Mm -hmm. There's one nutrient called inocetal that you can just take a teaspoon of before you go to bed. And this helps balance your brain chemistry so you get a good night of sleep, you wake up feeling more refreshed. It's very inexpensive. You can get inocetal powder from places such as Vitacost, you could probably get a three or four month supply for you know, less than $20. So it's not expensive at all. That's a good way to start where you're indirectly gonna support growth hormone production by improving your sleep. Taking longer stretches in between each meal releases a hormone called ghrelin, or yeah, it releases a hormone in your gut rather, that is a secretagogue for growth hormone. So you're getting a nice boost from that. And then, you can also do high-intensity training such as sprinting, kettlebell work, done sprint style, some more intense stuff where you're getting that lactic acid buildup. You know, that's actually going to help quite a bit as well. So you want to look at the accumulation of different bursts of growth hormone throughout the day rather than just a one-time boost. So do different things that support. You know, GABA is another good nutrition supplement, which also helps you get into a relaxed state. That, that's shown to increase growth hormone quite a bit as well. That's not too expensive. But I think it's going to be the accumulation of several different approaches that help you really drive up your growth hormone where it adds up to something useful, better skin quality, workout recovery, being youthful, et cetera, rather than you know, just one thing, one strategy that's going to have all the benefits. Uh, so, yeah, again, I know it's a lot of supplements right there, folks, but we'll have all these in the show notes. So just look at the show notes, and you'll see all this information in there. Absolutely. And let's see. Oh, here's a question about our businesses. Neither one of you guys do a lot of private lessons, so I'm just, and look, I'm just curious what makes up your income. What are, what are, where are your income streams coming from? So I'll let you start off with that. So like right now, I, mean, I still have some of my classes in the evenings. I sell my classes in the evenings, but those, it's a small, small group training. And this is with a group that I've been training with for a while, and they're very self-sustainable. I mean, they're there because of the culture we've created with the business, with my classes itself. So there are times when I may not be able to be there because I'm out teaching, I'm traveling, and I'm gone for the weekend and may not be coming back into like that Tuesday or something like that. And so but they'll get their training. They have their program, and they'll know what to do, and they'll just go from there. So they're very – I can trust that they'll take care of everything, and they all look out for each other. And a couple of the people that attend my class, they're also certified as well, and they've been certified by me, whether it's through the kettlebell class where they've been certified through the IKFF. 
So, or people that understand my system, I can trust that they'll be okay. Now, I wouldn't necessarily do that with newbies coming into our class right off the bat. But at the same time, I'm going to make sure that they they are going to be taken care of as well. So, at that point, this is pretty much the only time it, it's it's going to be me being physically involved in my classes. Otherwise, everything else I do is online, and I have my online clients and. I have different type of coaching, whether it's through nutrition coaching, whether it's through putting together their training programs, or whether it's through integrative coaching, which is looking at all aspects with the nutrition, with the training, with the mental aspect, helping them get through some of these emotional and mental things that are holding them back, and putting all that stuff together to create their program. I'll, that's pretty much where I am now, and, and I'm really enjoying that. And with that, I am only just taking a few clients with that. Like right now, I'm almost at my cap. I probably have room just for a couple of people. And that's pretty much yeah. But other than that, again, you've got the DVDs, got the books, so all the info products. And there are some things affiliate-wise that I promote or I passively promote. I don't really just shove it down anyone's throat, you know, whether it be your products or something like that. Um, you know, you'll see that stuff on my website, but it's not all over the place and things like that. So have affiliate income, and then there are other businesses that my wife and I have together outside of the fitness industry as well or in other aspects of fitness not so much fitness but even just a nutrition that we work with with that as well to a specialized market so i have things beyond just what people are most aware of that you know you and i talk about here so the thing is you definitely want to make sure that you have different revenue streams in order otherwise you put all your eggs in one basket something goes toast let's just say if you're just doing all boot camps or something like that, well, usually right around spring break and summertime, it's, you're going to experience a slowdown because most people are going to be traveling. People always ask me, how do you sustain clients and income during the summer? When most people are like on vacation, what do you do? Well, I have everything else going on online. So I'm not necessarily, again, the physical aspect of my business, I do that for the fun of it at this point in my career. I'm really not a big fan of one-on-ones at this point. I haven't done one-on-ones probably in about 10 years. So, right. and, and, and that's just, again, a time factor. My thing is I want to, the lifestyle that I'm creating here, I want to be able to be able to travel and go where I want. If I want to go and teach somewhere international or something like that, I want to be able to just pick up and go and not have to try to schedule someone, right. cancel classes or something like that. So, again, it's just trying to create a, a lifestyle that fits fits me. And again, some people really enjoy doing one-on-ones and things like that. It's just not necessarily for me. So yeah, uh, most of my income is coming from my online business, especially online coaching, which I truly enjoy. So that, that's what's working for me, man. What about you? Good stuff. Yeah, my business model has, has gone through many, many revolutions over the year, many changes. So when I first started off, I was doing private lessons. I was doing classes as they came up. I was doing online consulting. I was doing workshops. I was writing articles. Basically, I was trying to survive. You know, I was in business, and I wasn't going to turn down any income source that revolved around my fitness business. So I wasn't really in a position where I would say, nah, I'm not doing any private lessons. When people requested kettlebell private lessons out in L.A. where I lived, I took them on. When people wanted to organize a class and have me teach it, I did it. When I had an opportunity to write an article and get paid, I did it. So as my business became more successful, then I started picking and choosing what I wanted to do. And when I played around with workshops, I realized this is what I really wanted to blow up because I liked traveling. I liked working in groups. I just liked the whole dynamic of workshops where you could teach a few a month and and you're making more than someone who logs in hours all day long in a gym or doing private sessions. 
And I also liked the group dynamic a lot more than just a one-on-one dynamic. Right. So as my business grew, it became a lot more workshops, online consulting, and then I started making products. So I started making them videos, and they started selling really well. And then, I, then, all, then all of a sudden, I had a line of videos, 10 videos. So now you have 10 different passive income products. Ebooks started doing really well for me. And then I got into nutrition supplements, which is where I'm at right now. So right now I have three nutrition supplements under my label, and that's the biggest chunk of my income right now. The, the majority of my income right now comes in from nutrition supplements. Last year it was basically 50-50 supplements and workshops, and then I did some online consulting to kind of round out the edges, and then DVDs, eBooks. You know, most of my videos are fairly have been around for a while now. I haven't put out any new videos. Anytime, uh, recently just because uh, I don't have anything new to say that would justify a video. In other words, right. training videos, what I'm talking about here, not a hormone optimization lecture, which I've done more recently. So instead, instead of just putting out something to put something out and make money, I shifted it to other areas of interest, such as the nutrition supplements, which are very exciting for me. I've got two more ideas in the pipeline. So right now, going this, this year, it's going to be basically a lot more of my income will come from nutrition supplements. I, I anticipate that will be the largest source of my income moving forward. And at this point also, I do workshops more for fun rather than them being an, an, an essential part of my business model. Exactly. Like right. last year, last year was already moving in that direction. And then when I came out with my testosterone booster, which really blew up, you know, that's by far my number one seller out of the three products I have. That actually allowed me to pull back my workshop schedule where I don't have to do it as much. So I knew going into this year, I still wanted to teach a few courses, but I wanted to pick and choose, not have to just bang them out like I have the last 12 years. Online consulting, I also do more for fun at this point than as as another necessity. And similar to you, I really pick and choose my clients. So I I look for goals that are interesting to me. So Mm -hmm. a client wants to achieve this, I go, huh, that sounds interesting and this seems like a cool person. I'll take I'll take him or her on. If it's right. a goal that's really not that exciting to me, and uh, and I'm like ah, I don't really want to do it, that means I'm not the right person for that person because nobody you shouldn't have a trainer who's going ah, I don't know if I want to do this. Okay, that's not the right, right. trainer for you. So me being a, a guy with some integrity, I'm not going to just take the money when right. I don't want to do it, and I'm in a place where I don't have to do that either. So, and, I'll, and I'll refer them to someone else. Like I referred a guy to you recently. I referred another person to another friend of mine. So I often, re- especially when I feel like someone's a better fit, I go, you know what? I know someone is a way better fit than I am for this. And I'm going to send right. you her way or I'm going to send you his way. And right. I do that quite a bit. And then sometimes I find somewhere where I go, okay, this guy or this lady is a perfect fit for what I have to offer. So I'm going to definitely take them on. And I like, I like to have a few online clients here and there because I like, keeping the skill set of exactly. program design. You know, if you go too long, yeah, if you go too long without designing programs, then it's you kind of forget, you you lose that groove, right? Even same thing with workshops. I remember I took like a year off from workshops. I just taught one, which was at Age of Quarrel that year, the one you attended, 2009. Right. That was the year where I decided videos are selling really well, so I'm going to pull the brakes back and just promote one big event. And I went into that course just feeling really out of sync because I hadn't taught all year. Right. And I was like, okay, I don't want to feel this way again. So I'm never going to go like a whole year without teaching a course. I want to do a couple. Because if I had a couple of courses before that event, I would have come in way more crisp, way more dynamic, et cetera. Right. So you, don't, you never want to go too long. Same thing with the online program design. If you go too long without doing it, then 
you just forget how to do it. So it's just it's similar to training. You go too long without doing an exercise, and then you start doing it again. It feels really awkward, and I, I hate that feeling. I hate yeah. that feeling, whether whether it's training or business, because I remember I went a long time without doing any kettlebell pressing, and then I missed it. I'm like, oh, cool, I'm going to get that back in the regiment. And I remember I cleaned a, a pair of kettlebells, assuming that it was just going to fly overhead, and it felt heavy. And it's the first time it's felt heavy in a long time. This is a while back, and I was like, this feeling sucks. You know, I'm never going to go this long again, because right. – it wasn't, it wasn't even like my overhead strength was weak. I was doing barbell stuff and other things. But the groove that's very precise to kettlebells, I had lost that groove, and it took a couple of weeks to really get back on a roll. You know, right. now my kettlebell feeling feels – my kettlebell pressing, rather, feels fantastic. It feels good. I spent a good chunk of last year working lighter, just really dialing in technique. Now I'm starting to get back into heavier pressing. But pressing is also one of those things for my body type where if I go too long without doing anything – I really get out of the groove fast. Same thing right. with a few other exercises. Deadlifts are the same way. I yeah, go, deadlift, I go a yeah. month without deadlifting, and then all of a sudden, you're you're trying to <laughs> pick up a weight board. that should be easy. Yeah, you pick up a weight that should be easy. You're like, whoa, what's happening here? I barely did that, and I hate that feeling. So the same thing will happen with your business if you go too long without doing some things. But I, I always wanted to get to a place where, even early in my career. I, I quickly got to a place where I started picking and choosing my opportunities. In other words, I tried a lot of different things, private clients, classes, workshops. And then I realized real fast out of the three workshops, I like the most. You know, I don't want to teach classes daily. I don't want to do private lessons. And then I put all my efforts into getting really good at that style of instruction, doing workshops, promoting them very well, et cetera. So I think, I think when you first start out in the business, it's a good idea to, to try a lot of different things. You know, try, being a, try doing private lessons. Try doing workshops, classes. Try it all, and you're going to realize real fast what's the best fit for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and one other thing I want to add, like this year I'm going to focus a lot more just on even just online courses and doing mm-hmm. that. So therefore I can reach more people who are reaching out to me and I don't necessarily have the right. room to just work with them one-on-one. But, again, just taking that small group concept that I have with my classes, taking that online as well. Not just not, I'm not talking like a small group of people and we train online on Skype and we work out or anything like that. No. Right. That, just the thought of that right now just bored the crap out of me. And like <laughs> I said, if that's what you're into, that's, that's good for you, but it's not great for me. I have no interest in that and doing online Skype classes or something like that. And But my thing is more of the – the more of a lot of the mental aspect of things, more of going over a lot of the more in depth, let's just say, let's say like with nutrition and just other things that you can utilize to improve your program and beyond just the actual workouts themselves and putting all that together. So a lot of the integrative coaching, but doing it in a small group environment where, you know, people sign up just to say about like every quarter, maybe about 10, 10 to 15 people and we all work together and you also got that accountability and support system in place as well. Right. And that's, that's what I really, really love. And I, and I want to make sure that, you know, I, I move toward that sometime this year as well, but just have to make sure that it makes sense for not just me, but also for the client on the other end who are, who's going to join it. So therefore they're getting the most out of it as well. And I've experimented with one, one of my programs right now and just kind of been monitoring those who, who are participating in it. And, you know, so far, I mean, they're loving it. And so there's going to be more things I'm going to add to that, and especially for them since they jumped on it early, kind of helped me with the beta testing of that. And, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really, really good. And, and I've, I've, I've let you check it out as well. So 
It's definitely something, but I think there's some things that we can all do together that I think people are going to enjoy later on down the line. But again, I'm not just going to put it out there just for the sake of putting it out there to try to make a quick buck. I want it to make sense. In fact, I want I want it to be to the point when you do register for it, sign up for it, whatever, you feel like you're stealing from me. You feel like, I go, dude, all the things that you gave with that, I uh, I could have, you should be charging a lot more. That's always a good that's always that's a good, good way sign. To look at that's stuff, always yeah. a good sign when you're putting out any type of services out there. When when it, when a person is feeling like I feel like I'm stealing from you, you know that's it's better for them to feel like they're stealing from you than the other way around. <laughs> okay, because you as a business owner, you, know, you can like always tell wrong. those people. Well if, well, if you feel so bad, feel free to pay me more. Then, all right. <laughs> like, you I hate for you. I hate I, for I, you to feel so guilty out there. So go ahead and PayPal me some more money, buddy. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, but I think I think it's a good philosophy to under promise and over deliver. Over-deliver, where yeah. people feel like they left with more than they thought. Like, wow, that was a lot better than I thought it was was going to be. Like, I thought it was going to be good, but that was way better than I thought because we rarely get that experience. When we yeah, go to a exactly. movie, what happens, most of the time it sucks. It's way worse than we thought it was going to be. It was terrible. You know, the popcorn was terrible. And, you, and by the time you're done, you <laughs> spent 60 bucks, but you felt like, I didn't get like $5 worth of that entire experience. But, but, but when a movie, <laughs> movie is killer, you don't care about any of that stuff. You're, you watch <laughs> no. it on high because this the, the benefits of seeing a really inspiring movie last a while, but that can, that can have a profound effect on areas of your life exactly so man about that. and that's kind of the stuff i like to take into account too and i think you'll you'll really like doing online courses you know i did a few in 2012 i did my hormone yeah, one which a lot of you folks got for free <laughs> talk, about, <laughs> talk about feeling like you stole something All you, had to do put a, all you had to do is put a review on itunes man how easy is that and then and then i did the one on making six figures mm-hmm. as a fitness professional and, and it's cool because there's there's no geographical boundary, so people from all over the world can tune in. They can listen to it whenever it's convenient for them, just like our show. You know, they don't right. have they can they can listen to it live if they want and ask questions, or they can just wait for the MP3 or the recorded file to come out. And then you don't have to leave your house. It's way more, less expensive than going to a live workshop. So for for some things, it makes a lot of sense. You know, of course, you're not going to do a kettlebell workshop via a teleseminar. That would never work. That's a hands-on event. But but any kind of lecture, any kind of information type product, it's perfect. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 one of those things. Like I say, and also that also helps the end user, the client themselves. It cuts the cost on them when there's no travel involved or anything like that. So if you're not traveling, just have these lecture-based courses, then Okay, there's no hotel involved, there's no airfare involved, so therefore the registration doesn't have to be through the roof for the end user. So it's a win-win, and we always talk about that. It's all about the win-win situation, and that works right. out for everyone by doing that. So we're cutting costs by you know being home, and you know also it also cuts costs for the end user. So now they don't have to get a flight and get a hotel to go to the actual location right. for these lecture type situations. So everybody can sit in the comfort of their own home, or they can sit in a park and watch it on their mobile or something like that, and and go from there, and then you eventually get the. You can download the actual call itself. Let's say you miss it. Let's say you do a course, and there's a Q and A call or a teleseminar, and you miss it. Well, you can get the archives later. So if you're not there for the live call, you can always download it at your own leisure. So there's unlike most people who charge you more for convenience. In these situations, you actually get more value just and and it's convenient. So it works right. out for everyone like that. So yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun doing that, man. Really putting that together and um. Yeah, and, and like, like I say, it also gives us a chance to put together a lot of great stuff that, again, we don't have to deal with the challenge of trying to fit in travel and all these other things and, you know, pretty right. much making it work for everyone here. So, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, as great, as great as live events are, it's just not practical for everyone, and that's always the challenge you're dealing with. You know, getting 30 people in a room is, can be challenging, especially when the economy crashed and all of the factors that you just mentioned. But when it comes to an online workshop, it takes a lot of those negatives out of the equation. Now you can kick back at the comfort of your home. You can listen to it on the drive to work. You can listen to it on the subway. Whenever it's convenient, you can you can buy the course after it. It's even taken place because it's yeah. archived now. Yeah, you, know, you can transcribe, you can read it. You know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's just it's just another. I, I think a lot of trainers get stuck into. Like I always talk to people who are thinking about getting into the business, and they're going, "Well, I, I don't want to just be a trainer at twenty four seven or twenty four fitness rather." Twenty four fitness, yeah. Yeah, twenty four seven. Boom. That's, <laughs> that's, that's going to be a new fitness gym soon. Twenty four seven. We're here twenty four seven for you. No. A 24-hour fitness, and that's not the only route you have to take. I mean, that, 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 that's such a limited way of looking at our industry, is that there's so many different avenues you can take. It's cool to dabble with a lot of different things so you understand it. You know, you don't want to be that online expert that no one's ever seen, for example, <laughs> like Charles Follicle was talking about, how there's a lot of online experts which no one's ever seen. No one's ever seen any of these people in person. We don't even know if they exist for all we know. You know AKA, just, the vir- AKA the virgin sex therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you tell me about my sex life, you haven't even had sex. <laughs> <laughs> for, all, for all we know, they're, they're using a fake name. And no one's, you know what I mean? It's kind of it's funny, man. It's kind of creepy, too. So, we, so you, you want to you wanna make sure that people know you're a real person. And not hide behind the internet at all if you if you really want to be successful in this business and and have some longevity. That's a good place for us to wrap up this week. Definitely, because that's a lot. We've given them a lot of things to think about right here, so we don't want to overwhelm you guys. And that's what happens when we haven't done a Q and A show in a few weeks. <laughs> we were like, okay, <laughs> well, yeah, we got a whole lot of things to throw at you. So we want to give you guys some nuggets to take with you and work on. So if you have a business. You know, taking consideration some of the things that Mike and I are talking about, some of the things that are working for us, some of the things that have not worked for us, some of the things that work for us but are no longer working for us. You know, look at all those different things, man. And then right. what you need to do is just find out where are you most comfortable. Are you more comfortable being in front of a camera, being behind a microphone with a podcast? Then monetize that. But definitely figure out a way to make sure that you bring a lot of value to that arena of connecting with people and showing, displaying your expertise. So. There's, there's no one way of doing these things. You don't have to be bound by a gym to be a successful fitness professional here. But it's a, the thing is, also, you've got to start in the gym, though, just to prove that you know what you're talking about. So you can't talk about deadlifts if you don't pick up a freaking barbell. That's your starting point, but you don't have to stay there. All right? So, yeah, just think beyond where you are right now. Think beyond your physical location. And don't let that beat you down, especially if things are going slow. Let me say this one last thing when it comes to the economy, because a lot of people will use that and tell you that, and they have that issue going on. Whenever the economy is bad, one thing that people are going to do, they're going to drink, they're going to eat, they're going to have sex, and they're going to feel crappy about themselves and want to work out and get rid of all the effects of those, three, those other three things I just mentioned. Right. When the economy is great, people are going to eat, they're going to drink, <laughs> they're going to have sex, yeah. you know, and they're going to want to feel, they want to keep feeling good because they're feeling great because the economy is going on, so they're going to want to do some type of physical activity. So what am I saying here? So these are the aspects of business that are not really going to be affected by the economy if they're doing it right, a.k.a. the alcohol business, the sex business, porno, you know, or any other aspects around that, restaurants, and people in the physical fitness business. All right, so we have no excuses. We're people who are there to help people whether crap is going good or, or great or things are going really, really crappy. 
Okay, so, right. you know, utilize that. One thing about it, you should always be thriving. All right? All right, cool. So keep your ratings and reviews coming on iTunes, folks, and also on Stitcher. We love it. We want to keep boosting that up, so therefore we keep the show in front of lots of eyes and, and into lots of ears. Go subscribe to the show, download the show, share the show, keep your feedback coming, get that rating review in. Hop on over to our fan page and leave your comments and questions over there, or you can email us, whether it's Mike at LLAPodcast.com or SincereLLAPodcast.com. And last but not least, make sure that we keep away all of those sponsors that can water down the show by supporting the products and the services that we just spoke about as far as we keep our businesses going here. And you can do that by hopping over to Mike's site and get 10% off of any supplements that he has on his site by typing in the coupon code LLA at checkout. That'll get you 10% off and also give you 10% off of his upcoming course. Hey, he's got to stay in the game here with his workshop. So he's got one this year that he locked down in Australia. He's actually going to do a nice little tour of Australia right there. So yeah, people that are looking to go to that side of the world or actually already in that side of the world, don't miss, up this, don't miss this opportunity because it's not like it's going, to, it's going to happen two weeks later or a couple of months later. I, I know how this dude is rolling right here. I was actually surprised that he even said he was going to do a course there, but it, it just made sense. So you'll get 10% off of that workshop by going over to Mike's site, and when you sign up, put in the coupon code LLA. You get 10% off of that, which is a nice bargain. And – Last but not least, you hop over to my website. You'll get 30% off of my bodyweight training DVD, the downloaded copy or the physical copy. And all you have to do is type in that same coupon code, LLA. And what you might notice over there, you might notice that I have a course over there that, again, it hasn't been officially launched, but people are testing it out and they like how it's going. So if you want to hop into that, you can use the same coupon code, LLA, for that course as well. Then you have some nice little things coming along down the pipe by joining that course. All right? So that's at newwarriortraining.com. All right, any Good last deal. things, brother? Good stuff. That's it, man. It, it covered quite a bit today, and anything else, we're just going to be blabbing on. I was about to say something, and I was like, wow, why do I need to say that? We'll save it for another time. <laughs> you know? That's it, folks. Use that coupon code. Get 10% off our products. Again, LLA, MikeMahler.com, newwarriortraining.com. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.